When we talk about ministry today, often we might think of a, a pastor in a pulpit preaching a message. However, this Greek word is not limited to the pastor in the pulpit, but to anyone within the Lord's church who has a servant's heart. And it's the result of God's divine energy working through the life of a believer. We might say that it is God who is energizing us through His grace. You're looking too far for that need you have inside. You're on a big merry-go-round and it's taking you for a ride. You've got to let go and let God. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast, and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. And we're going to begin today in 1 Corinthians 12, verses 1 through 13. I titled this message, Spiritual Gifts, because, well, it fits with the passage that we're going to be looking at today. And I have three points in our message. We're going to see in verses 1 and 3, concerning spiritual gifts, verses 4 through 11, diversity of gifts, and 12 and 13, many members, one body. It's not too long, only 13 verses. I'll read our passage to get the context and then open us in prayer. Reading from 1 Corinthians 12, beginning in verse 1, we're going to go down to verse 13. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences in ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another working of miracles, to another prophecies, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. 
For by one Spirit we are all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have been made to drink into one Spirit. Father, we thank you for your word, and we pray, Lord, that we would learn from it today how important it was for the first century church. Ten days, Lord, after Jesus ascended into heaven as they tarried in Jerusalem as instructed by you, Lord, that the Holy Spirit came out upon the church. And, and Lord, they went forth and they declared the gospel of Jesus Christ and they turned their world right side up, a world that was upside down. And Lord, we live in a world that in many ways is upside down right now. There's a lot of pain, a lot of hurts, a lot of fears, a lot of worry, a lot of strife. And Lord, we need you to come again through the power of your spirit to speak life into your church, that we would go forth, that your world would be turned right, that people could come to faith in Jesus Christ. But it begins with the church, Lord. And I believe it begins with us as the church, understanding the giftings of the spirit that you have given to each of us. So help us, Lord, to listen with open ears, be attentive to that which you would have for us this day, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, at the close of chapter 11, Paul connected the unworthy condition of the Corinthians receiving communion. He said that they had been physically weak, sick, and some had even died. And this was because they had not discerned the Lord's body. They took the communion table without really discerning the meaning of communion itself. Now Paul takes time to address the spiritual condition of the fellowship itself. Perhaps one of the reasons that they had this unworthy condition when receiving communion was because the Spirit of God was not functioning properly in their lives, in their hearts. And it's not the Spirit's fault. Always understand that it is how we relate to God, how we walk with Jesus Christ. And I totally believe that God can intervene in our lives and make us do works that we would never deem possible in any moment that he desires. But also know that it is through walking in a right relationship with Jesus Christ that he draws us to him, that we would learn how we ought to walk and to please God. And the Spirit is there and available to each believer to help us in our walk, but also to give us giftings of the Spirit of God. And he began in verse 1 saying, Concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. He began by saying, I do not want you to be ignorant. And yet we find often within the church... Believers in Jesus Christ are very ignorant without knowledge. To not know is the Greek word. They're without knowledge of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. They don't rightly understand the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And God has given us his word to guide us and to give us knowledge concerning the spiritual gifts. Therefore, we need to look into the word of God to gain a better understanding of the things that God taught concerning spiritual gifts. Not so much worried about what man says, but what does the Word of God say concerning these things? 
He had also said to them in verse 2, you know that you were Gentiles. And in reality, the majority of the church in Corinth, they were still Gentiles by their race. And yet, Paul viewed them differently now as believers in Jesus Christ. Gentiles, ethnos is the Greek word. It refers to a multitude of people or a race of people belonging or living together. And in the Jewish sense, it would refer to any nation other than the Jews. And when Paul spoke about them here, he no longer considered these physically Gentile people as Gentiles because they were no longer being carried away by the false idols, but they had become the children of God. They were one in the body of Christ. And as we close out our passage, we'll read that there's no longer Jew or Greek or slave or free. We are all one in the body of Christ. Ephesians 3, 6 tells us that the Gentiles, that they should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel. That Paul understood that we are one in the body of Christ, whether Jew or Greek or rich or poor, we are one in the body of Christ. One of my grandsons was playing one of the drums in the back of the church this morning and it reminded me of when I was in Sudan. And I told him that the first night I was in South Sudan, several years ago now, they played the drums through the night. And I was in Africa for the first time and I was thinking the Tarzan movies were correct. They played drums through the night, just like I've seen in the movies. What I did not know was that the purpose of the playing on that night was because a mother had died in childbirth and in the culture there to express their love for the loved one had just died, they would play the drums, an individual playing until we might say until his arms would fall off. He was playing long into the night, expressing the great love that he had for the person who had died. But I mention that because it was a blessing to be there with brothers and sisters in Christ. They were Sudanese. I was American. And yet we were one in the body of Christ. In fact, where we were at, they struggled because of their tribal heritages, the different tribes that they had, whether a Dinka warrior or some other tribe. They struggled until finally at this church, they said, you are all of one tribe. The tribe of Judah was the tribe that is used saying that now that you are of Christ, you are of one tribe, no longer those tribal tensions among the body of Christ. And we find that when we go out on perhaps vacation, we go visit other churches, we realize that we have this joint unity because of the work of Jesus Christ in our lives. He said in verse 3, you are believers. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. To call Jesus accursed is a Greek word anathema that is used there. And it can mean something that is dedicated to deity, dedicated to a God. Paul uses it here to say that something that is under a divine curse. No one, he says, 
speaking by the Spirit of God, calls Jesus accursed. You cannot say Jesus is Lord apart from the Holy Spirit. While it is true that Jesus Christ was accursed in our behalf when he went to the cross, and the Bible tells us in Galatians 3.13 that Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on the tree. This speaks about his work upon the cross where he paid the price or the penalty of our sin. But no longer is he cursed. Peter tells us in 1 Peter 2.24, Who himself bore our sins in his own body upon the tree, having died to sins that we might live for righteousness by whose stripes we were healed. Jesus, though he died upon the cross, having risen from the grave, he lives and is alive forevermore. Therefore, calling Jesus a curse, it's actually a self-contradiction for the Christian. We can't do that. We say Jesus is Lord. And it's because of the work of the Holy Spirit. Jesus promised in John 15, 26, but when the helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. When the Helper comes, it's the work of the Holy Spirit to bring testimony of Jesus Christ into our lives, into our hearts. It's the Holy Spirit that enables us, who enables us to become true believers in Jesus Christ and also enables us to rightly proclaim Jesus as Lord. He begins in verses 4 through 11. We see the diversity of gifts. He said there are diversity of gifts, but the same Spirit. Verse 5, there are differences of ministry, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activity, but it is the same God who works in us all. I want you to notice in verses 4, 5, and 6, as he listed out the differences, there are diversity of gifts, diversity of ministries, diversity of activities. He mentions the Spirit, he mentions the Lord, and he mentions God. He mentions the triunity of the Godhead here in these three verses, and I think it's significant. We worship one God in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Diversity of gifts, it speaks about uh, a charisma is the Greek word and it is a gift involving grace. A gift involving grace. This charisma, it receiving a favor, a gift that is without merit of our own. We haven't earned these gifts. They are the gifts of God. And this is especially true concerning our salvation. In Romans 5.15, it tells us that this free gift is not like the offense for by one man's offense, many died, speaking of Adam. Much more than the grace of God and the gift of grace by one man, Jesus Christ, abounds to many. He also talked about the uh, ministries themselves. That word for ministry, in the Greek, it originally meant to serve tables, to wait on tables. But in church life, it meant to serve one another. When we talk about ministry today, often we might think of a, a pastor in a pulpit preaching a message. However, this Greek word is not limited to the pastor in the pulpit, but to anyone within the Lord's church who has a servant's heart. 
Galatians 5.13 tells us that in love, we are to serve one another. He also talked about these activities, a Greek word that refers to and only found here in 1 Corinthians 12, verses 6 and 10. And it's the result of God's divine energy working through the life of a believer. We might say that it is God who is energizing us through his grace. Philippians 2.13 tells us, For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. When talking about the gifts, the ministries, the activities within the church, the source of these come from the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. In order, Paul listed them out as the Spirit, the Lord, the Son, and God the Father. But he goes on to list out several gifts for us. The manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one, verse 8, he says it's the gift of wisdom. To another, the word of knowledge. We're going to go through each of these and look at them for a moment. But I want us to see, first and foremost, that this manifestation, a word that means this revelation of God, it has been imparted to us by the Holy Spirit working in the lives of the believers within the church, but it's for the profit of all, for each one of us to serve the Lord Jesus Christ to the glory of God. But we serve one another, not to our own profit, but to the profit of all. Peter wrote about this in his own way, saying in 1 Peter 4, verses 9 and 10, as each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. If anyone ministers to one another, we are to do it as good stewards, by the manifold graces, the many graces that God has given us. If we speak, speak as the oracles of God. I have a confidence when I step behind the pulpit, not because of my own abilities. I prove every week I step behind the pulpit that my abilities are limited, especially when it comes to proper tenses of words and such. But I have a confidence in the word of God. And that when I proclaim the word of God, that the message of the gospel goes forth. And we can trust in the word of God. He goes on to speak about the various gifts and he begins with a word of wisdom. The Greek word is Sophia in the Greek and it means this mental excellence of the highest or fullest sense. And the wisdom of the Greeks, they are still studied to this day, but... The Greeks understand that the Greeks saw no wisdom in the cross. They looked at the cross from the human perspective. It was foolishness to them. But when viewed from God's perspective, it means salvation to us. 1 Corinthians 2, verses 6 and 7, and also verse 10. However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, and not the wisdom of this age or the ruler of this age, who are coming to nothing, 
But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit. And the spirit searches all things. Yes, the deep things of God, the wisdom of God. God gives this to some. I believe we all have a, a bit of wisdom. At least I hope we do. But there are those who have the gift of wisdom. God gives him a greater ability of wisdom. There's also, next we see the word of knowledge. Gnosis is a Greek word. It simply means to have knowledge or intelligence, a, a seeking to know. I like that, a seeking to know. We seek to know, we seek to learn. This gnosis, to have this word of knowledge that the Lord gives us can, in some sense, be the acquiring of knowledge, the learning, having an education, reading the Bible, learning to grow in our faith as believers in Jesus Christ. But also, I believe that it is a word of knowledge that the Lord can give to individuals. And this kind of goes hand in hand with the wisdom. But back in the early 90s, I had the privilege, Lily, myself, our children, if they remembered, but uh, we were able to hear a great Christian scientist, A.E. Wildersmith, preach from the pulpit of Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa. A.E. Wildersmith began as a young man in Germany that didn't believe that there was a God, so he went from being an atheist to one of the leading creationists. He was a creationist before it was cool to be a creationist. He had a standing uh, $25,000 prize for any atheist who would dare to debate him and win. I don't know how you'd figure that one out, but he had the standing offer out there and no one would debate him. He was an intelligent man. And while he was at a professor at Wheaton College here in the Chicago area, he told of a time when walking in Chicago with walking across the street, he said with one foot on the curb and one foot off the curb. Think about that, in the stride of someone's walk. He said, the Lord God poured in so much knowledge in my mind that I could spend the rest of my life writing books on the knowledge I received in that single moment. Now he had been seeking the Lord, asking the Lord about specific things. And so he had been seeking to know but there was a point where apparently Jesus said, there's no way you'll acquire all this knowledge on your own. I'll just give it to you right now. The word of knowledge. God can do that for us. Concerning spiritual gifts, verses 1 through 3, Paul said the Holy Spirit enables true believers to rightly proclaim Jesus as Lord. Speaking of the diversity of gifts in verses 4 through 11, we learn that the Spirit gives giftings to every believer that they might be used for the profit of all. And though we are many members, but one body, verses 12 and 13, the body of Christ is to work together again for the profit of all. It is my hope that you first and foremost have received the gift of salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. But also as believers... Realize that the gifts of the Holy Spirit, as a believer, you've already have the Holy Spirit operating in your life. 
but perhaps there are giftings that he wants to do, special works that he desires for you to pour out into your heart, into your life. Jesus said, if anyone thirsts, let him come unto me. Thank you so much for being with us today. And I want to close this in prayer and a blessing and we'll get on our way. Father, we thank you for your word today and for looking at this passage of scripture. And for the next few weeks, Lord, we'll be looking at the giftings of the Holy Spirit. And I pray, Lord, for the next few weeks that as individuals, we would consider, Lord, the giftings that you have given us. And then when considering these giftings, ask of ourselves, are we using the giftings that the Lord has given us? And Lord, if that answer is no, I pray that you would help us to just desire to grow in our faith and to begin to take an opportunity to serve others. Lord, I do pray for your justice to come upon this land. And I pray, Lord, for the salvation of Jesus Christ to be poured out upon this nation. We need you, Lord. Desperately, we need you. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today. We'll be right back.